you are listening to episode 21 of Desi Geek Girls. I am Preeti Chibber. And I am Swapna Krishna. And we are recording on Monday, January 15th. <sighs> is this our first show of 2018? Yes. Oh, I my God. <laughs> I think it is. Yeah. Because we the last one we did, we did that, like, weird, you know, the end of, you know, whatever. Oh, yeah. The question. Question show. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which oh. is a lot of fun. Time uh, is losing all meaning, I feel like. I know. I know. <laughs> Um, okay, so it's 2018, and the year is garbage already. <laughs> that surprises nobody. Um, but there's some cool, fun stuff going on. There and so, Preeti, <laughs> you go first. Yeah, okay, so um, Netflix, I found out about three weeks ago, maybe, that Netflix was bringing season three of the show called Love Sick back to... Um, uh, back to us and lovesick is this show that I watched about two a year and a half two years ago uh, and it's amazing it is about it used to be okay full story it was a BBC4 show mm-hmm. or channel 4 show in in the UK and it came over here under the name scrotal recall oh is this scrotal yes recall? Yes, oh, which is a okay. terrible name it for a is. television show. It is. Because I remember I got like an emailed notification from Netflix that I might like this. And I'm like, no. <laughs> but no. you will. So here's the thing. They changed the name to Lovesick. Uh, it went on Hulu or on Netflix. And it's called Skirtal Recall because the first season, which I think I think every season is only eight episodes because UK, mm-hmm. um, is that... It's it's surrounded by the, it's it's uh, the conceit that this kid Dylan, who is like in his twenties, has found out that he has chlamydia, mm-hmm. and he has to tell all of his previous sexual partners that he has chlamydia. So every episode is kind of like the narrative is like flash forward, current day, like flashback, whatever about how he's telling these women, um, and his kind of romantic history. In the meantime, it's also. He lives with his, like, two best friends, Evie and Luke, and it's their relationships, and, and Dylan is, like, quietly pining for Evie or vice Aww. versa. It's, But the writing is so real that you... The characters are all so real that you root for basically everybody. You love everyone, and you are... It never does the expected kind of, like, dramatic thing. It It makes very real choices for its characters and so you find yourself just falling into this world and wanting more and more and more it's just so good and the third season you said the third season like ostensibly the final season i hope there's more but it has an ending um is up on netflix now and it's just like i can't get over how good the writing is like this the writing and and the acting is so strong and it is so diverse they're so yeah in like a really you don't you don't get you i mean i don't expect that when i hear bbc i know it's it's (laughs) but it's channel four it's channel okay 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 okay. they recognize demographics they recognize like and the way the creator talks about women of color and how they react to the show shows that he is like understanding because it's you know there are a lot of women on the show and so of course some of them will be people of color, and it's kind of amazing in that way. Um, and the lead, the lead girl is a woman of color, uh, Antonia Thomas, who 
you might remember from like Misfits. Oh, it's so good. Um, and also on Netflix, very brief mention of another show that I watched, End of the Fucking World, which is based on a yeah. comic book by Charles really... Bosman. Yeah, okay. I didn't realize that. Someone on, I was talking yeah. about it on Twitter and someone told me. Um, it's another Channel 4 show. Channel oh, 4 does God. some of my favorite like British TV, I gotta be honest. Uh, I'm pretty sure Skins was Channel 4. I was gonna say, as a person who's garbage at TV, I barely know Channel 4, but Channel I will 4, I think, out. is like and maybe some of our, our uh, overseas listeners will tell me I'm wrong. Please do if I am. But I see it as sort of the CW. I was going to ask. Like, but then but like more interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um, Which is fine. I, I enjoy CW. The is some right? CW show. Uh, but it's, it's more, it's, it's like a higher caliber. Maybe. Higher quality. Higher yeah. quality. Uh, but so this show, The End of the Fucking World, which is based on this comic by Charles S. Foreman, Forsman, excuse me, is about, it's it's like, if you liked BoJack Horseman, I think this is a very natural follow-up to BoJack Horseman. So I saw the trailer for it, and like, because like I was, I've been watching a lot of Netflix lately, and I just kind of, you know, how when you pull it up, on yeah. Netflix, the trailer for whatever will just start playing, and oh my god, it looks really dark, but really funny. It's very dark, it's very funny, it's also bleak, it's like, this combination of like, it's only eight episodes, which is perfect, because BoJack got a little intense for me. Whereas, like, I just don't like feeling this sad for this long. But... So it's, like, about a sociopath? No, so this kid, it doesn't go the way you think. He's a self-described okay. psychopath, and he does some things that you're like, that's that's really fucked up. Um, but you find yourself sort of rooting for him and, and the girl. Uh, it's these two kids who ha- each have their, like, really severe problems, whether it's at home or you know, with their, their own identities, and they run away together. And the kid, the boy's plan is to kill this girl because he's like, I just, I want to know what it feels like. But it doesn't go how you think. Like, this isn't, the show is not about violence against women. It is not, I'm going to say that. I don't want to give it away because I do, I did really like it, um, even though it made me feel sad. <laughs> it was it was good. I, I enjoyed it. There's I got some good Netflixing in over the last couple weeks. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, yeah, no, I, that's one I kind of want to watch. I feel like Ryan would probably really enjoy like the dark, weird, dark. It's, it's weird and dark and bleak. I do not want to like undersell how bleak it is. It is very bleak. Like there are some points where I was like, oh. <laughs> so maybe not binge all eight episodes in like one day. Yeah, I would actually maybe give it some time. I would actually watch some Lovesick because Lovesick has that lightness <laughs> and like romance and like really like. You're just like, oh, I want everybody on this show to be my best friend. And, like, splice it with some end of the fucking world. <laughs> You'll have okay. your emotions going, like, Good up and down. Um, I definitely want to check out. Like, Lovesick, it's like still the scroll to recall thing is blowing my mind. Because no, I saw that I and I was like, oh, no one's going to watch that. It's such a bad name. It's such a bad name. But they know it. And that's why they changed it to something yeah. much better. Yeah. Um. Okay, so... I don't talk. I guess I don't talk about actual like space stuff much on the podcast. No, but because my most of you said about it. I know. Okay, so I am going to give you guys an update <laughs> about what's going on because I've been tweeting about it an awful lot, and people have asked me like, "What is going on, and why are you tweeting about this so much?" So, um, basically, SpaceX, which I think most people are familiar with, it's Elon Musk's uh, like yeah. space. <laughs> Let's 
Not necessarily. Okay. So SpaceX <laughs> is Elon Musk of Tesla fame. That is his space company. And so right now they have a rocket called the Falcon 9 that has like NASA contracts to resupply the ISS. So right now, in terms of space travel, getting like down to the basics, we do not currently have a way to send our own astronauts to and from the space station. Um, the United States, uh, meaning we, the only vehicle like that can carry humans, it's called human rated, is um, the so Russian Soyuz. So right now we're paying Russia, I think, $75 million a seat to, yeah, Brady just shook her head. Yeah, $75 million to take our astronauts to and from the ISS. And so it's not great. It's not a great situation for a lot of reasons. Um, like for many reasons, not only because it's not good for geo, let's take, put aside all geopolitical concerns. It's not good to only have one, yeah, like three states from the 1960s. Like it's not good to, or 19, I guess 1960s, 1970s, it's not good to have one, v, like if a Soyuz blows up, that's like, you know, months of investigation into what happened and like what it's just not good like it's not good to only have one worldwide way to ferry humans to and from the earth or to and from the iss so anyway that's kind of getting ahead of ourselves because um so falcon heavy is one of the rockets that is being developed and it's called what's called a heavy lift rocket so it can i mean basically carry a lot more weight up into earth orbit than um, like the Falcon 9. So the Falcon 9 has nine Merlin engines, hence the name. The Falcon Heavy is 27. So it's a lot bigger. Um, and eventually it will be human rated. So it's not gonna be human rated when it's first launched, but it may be like, you know, later in 2018, more likely early in 2019, let's face it. But Boeing is also um, competing with SpaceX for um, to be the first one to put people into space. So anyway, all of that to say, we're really, really close to the first test flight of Falcon Heavy. Really close, like within weeks. And so this is what's going on. And I will be at that launch, like, cause God forbid I've been waiting for this since like 2012. <laughs> like I will be at this launch um, and it's gonna be really cool. And that is what's going on in space. That's a lot. So it's a lot. Like I was like, I was like, how can I say this? And a lot of what I said, if you know what's going on, a lot of what I said was really imprecise. Like for example, Boeing is a developing, sorry, yeah, um, isn't developing um, a rocket. They're developing the Dreamliner, which is the like crew vehicle, not the rocket. So there was a lot of imprecision in what I said. But if you're talking layman's terms, which is right. I don't know anything about anything. In terms so of space. Basically, the reason this is exciting is we're one step closer to, um, like, putting people back into orbit. Which is awesome. Like, it, is, it blows my yeah. mind that we haven't done that in... It's been 2012 was yeah. the last flight of the space shuttle. And since then, we have not had a way to put our own people into space, which is terrible. It is terrible. And More so, space. I know. I agree. So that's what's going on. Um, and so it's very exciting. I'm very excited. When when Subna mentioned the Falcon to me, she's like going in and, and it's always fun to listen to, to you talk about space because you love it so much and it's so exciting. But I literally am sometimes totally lost because and I pause. I kind of was like, so let's start at the beginning. Yes. The Falcon is a rocket. Yes. She's like, yes, the Falcon is a rocket. 
sometimes I get ahead of myself too because I do love talk, like like one of my favorite things and one of actually one thing that I may be doing more on um sci-fi fangirls like this week I am going to actually write an explainer that is better than what I just said because I'll actually you know think about it on what the Falcon Heavy is and why it's important um, but I love writing explainers, but sometimes I do get ahead of myself and people have to be like, I don't know what this word means. <laughs> All right. So uh... now we get to talk about my favorite topic of this podcast. Creepy is <laughs> like 15 seconds of internet fame. This is like, I imagine this is not dissimilar to when Shadow Khan retweeted you. Uh, I feel like it's analogous, but it's, I don't know. It is, but it isn't. So basically, yeah, let's let's tell people what happened. Yeah. So basically what happened was I found a gif of Mark Hamill from The Last Jedi doing the brush, brush the dust off your shoulder bit, you know, when at this point I. Spoiler free, there's just a moment where it closes up and he dusts something off his shoulder and it's it's, you know, it's it's a great like fuck off kind of moment, which is nice. Um and I found a gift that somebody had made, which clearly there are no high... I don't know where people are getting these high-res videos. So whoever made it, which was this um, Star Wars fan based on their Tumblr named Slimo, uh, I, I have no idea how they found a video to yeah. make that gif because it's, as far as I can tell, not anywhere in mainstream internet. But anyways, I found the gif. I posted it on Twitter, literally just saying, there is a gif because it's a great gif. And... Uh, it exploded a little bit, way more than I had anticipated, and so I had got like what fifteen thousand retweets at this oh point. Oh my god! It, no, it's at forty thousand. Oh my god! I feel like the last time I checked, I know it was like... it's at like forty thousand. Please tell me you have that muted. Oh, I muted it like within a few hours because for whatever reason, people took that as an invitation to tell me what they thought of the Last Jedi, and I'm not interested. Um, it was a lot of people being like, well, I hated it. This scene sucked. I don't understand. And I was like, oh, I just was excited that this thing existed. Uh, you know, I didn't say anything good or bad. I was just like, there's a gift, yay! And so I muted it because I was tired of seeing other people. Like, everyone was tagging me in their conversations, which is really, yeah. like, I just, I was like, I have other things to do. Yes. And then I muted it, so I didn't see in my mentions when... Ryan Johnson, the writer and director of Star Wars The Last Jedi, retweeted it. Yes! And it was a big moment, and I was... And he didn't just retweet it, he, like, quote-tweeted it. He quote-tweeted it. Which is is even better. And so I responded to be like, oh my god, I muted this, I didn't see it, now I'm a little dead. Uh, And he responded with, muted all, in all caps, which I'm thinking about cross-stitching. Yes, uh, I think that's a good cross-stitch. good advice. Uh, yes. And it was really, and then Mark Hamill retweeted him, and it was, a, it was a big couple days that was a very intense, like, I went to a meet. I basically was in meetings all morning Friday when this was all happening, and I came back to my desk, and I had emails and all these things, and I was like, Ugh! and it's this notion of how accessible stars and creators are, which I think we've discussed before, maybe on the show. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know, but it's, I, I find it a little what's the word um I can't think of the word it's strange I just find it it's it's a little uh unsettling to me yeah I don't necessarily think it's a good thing I mean I, I love it like it's so exciting when like someone you respect or love or have admired for a long time retweets you or interacts yes. with you 
But there's a flip side of that. It's it's unsettling to me how, it, I mean, it goes both ways. So they see everything. Because, yeah. you know, I was a huge teeny bopper when I was like 14 years old. And I can't imagine what I would have done if, because I'm sure I would have been tweeting out all of the like ridiculous things I was doing, which is like building a Backstreet Boys website, like having blah, blah, blah. And I think that when I was 14, I would have been really excited if one of them had interacted with something. But it's also now as an adult, I understand how uncomfortable that is, both for the people creating the like fandom stuff yeah. and the artists that they're creating them about. If that makes sense? That yeah, no, it sentence, does. But... So it's, well, it's, it's a level of like uncomfortableness, sort of. And it's just the idea that like you wait, you aren't in this space where you can talk about whatever you want yes, because the person exactly. you're talking about or the property you're talking about, they might see it. Yeah. And like, agreed. Exactly. And, and sometimes you do want that. And I'm, I'm not saying like, like that. It, it's like, that's how Twitter is. We all know that. Yes. Like it, that's, that's the price, you know, but it is worth considering that, but also the level of entitlement it brings, it has brought into fan culture. Yes. I agree. In terms of having that access. Like, I feel bad that Ryan Johnson gets tagged in all of these things that are, like, from people who hated this movie and being like, you ruined Star Wars and blah, blah, blah. And, like, I tend to not tag creators when unless I'm just, like, unless I'm basically, unless I'm thanking them for the most part or if I know yeah. them. Yeah. Like, I didn't tag I... anybody in that original GIF. <laughs> no, and I don't tag, um, like, I don't. Part of it is I just don't think people are going to care about my, like... Yeah, I agree. People get, like, you know what I mean? Like, you're not going to care. But so, yeah, if uh, it's only ever when it's positive. And even then, like, even, like, when I'm, like, tweeting about a book I like, I'll tag the publisher so they can let the author know if they want yeah. to. But I won't tag the author. Like, and I know, like, some people are like, oh, but they would like to see it. But I do definitely know creators who are just like, I don't want to see any. Like, please yeah. don't tag anything yeah and so like that's like that's like just it's just it's just interesting there's no right way there's no wrong way and we're not I don't think we're advocating for anything other than how we we choose to do it it's just something I think about as like a bizarre like after effect of this like notion of social in this big and accessible way well and also I respect the fact that sometimes people want to use Twitter for things other than like the, to talk about the thing that they've done. Do you know what right, I mean? yes. Like, totally. and so when you're trying to have a conversation with your friends and people are jumping, like, it's just, people are jumping in to, like, criticize your, you know, like, it's yeah. just, I don't know. It's weird. I think it's, it's just, the whole thing to me is bizarre and I don't know what to think. But it's, you know, it's learning. Anyways, it is. But I don't think anybody knows what to think. Like, I don't think you and I are alone in that no, feeling. No, not at all. <laughs> So yeah, it's been a weird couple days on Twitter. Um, cool. I had a cool. little bit of anxiety because it's like, for whatever reason, like 500 people found me because of this stupid thing. And it's cool. It's, it's cool, but it's also when there's like a huge influx of people, you kind of are like, ah. Yeah, I mean, a few of them will probably unfollow you. I but like, I would guess be, that. I know. I try to be very clear about what you're getting with me. I was going to say, like, for the most part, like usually people will like look at your feet and be like, Oh, she seems fun. And you are fun. So like, (laughs) thank you. (laughs) What if you want to follow you? So it's like only follow me. If you like following people who 
are very enthusiastic. Yes. <laughs> we need, honestly, we need more of that, though. About like everything. Uh, so, yeah, we're a couple days, but, you know, Ryan Johnson responded to me about something, and I found that to be very exciting. Um, okay, so I guess we'll move on to our, like, main topics. That sounds good. The, the next thing is probably um, still news a little bit, but um, I'll, we're going to talk about it here because I think we're going to get a little bit into depth. So this is going to spoil. If you are not caught up on Star Trek Discovery, as in, and as in caught up, we will talk about um, episode... 10, the mid-season premiere. So the um, episode that aired yesterday, episode 11, which was The Wolf Inside, um, we will not spoil. But we will spoil some stuff that was on the mid-season um, premiere and not really overarching things, but like one issue in particular. Because Preeti is not caught up on the show, but I spoiled this for her because yeah. she said because I needed to talk about it. <laughs> okay, so you have been warned and we'll put a time code in the show notes for before and after so you can skip if you are not caught up. Um, okay, so in the mid-season premiere, um, Wilson Cruz, who plays Dr. Hugh Colber, is killed. And a lot of people have had a lot of feelings about that for many reasons. I have also had many, a lot of feelings about that for many reasons. And it's just, it's hard to, the show has been so good about representation um, in terms of its, you know, on what you see on screen in terms of you've got your main character is a woman of color um, and Michael Burnham. She is currently in a romance with a man of color, Ash, played by Shazad Latif. Um, and they, the, the, but the main couple on the show is actually a gay couple, which is Anthony Rapp um, and um, Wilson Cruz, who is Puerto Rican by descent, um, gay man. And Anthony Rapp is a white gay man so the only straight white man you've really got on this show is jason isaacs because um then there's um tilly who's a white woman and then um all of the most of the background actors are people of color i don't think there are actually any like background regulars at least on the bridge that i can think of um that are not people of color and then um there's doug jones who plays saru and i don't count aliens like yeah. just when it comes to this stuff, like for example, if you talk to me about who the characters of color are on Star Trek: The Next Generation, I will say only Jordy LaForge. But Michael Dorn, who plays Worf, is a man of color. So there's two actors of color, but one character of color. If that yeah. makes sense. I don't count, you know, people under makeup. Okay, so it's a show that does well with representation, and they just killed off a gay man of color. Mm-hmm. And what do you do with that? Like, uh, it's hard. It's a hard thing, especially because I talked to Wilson Cruz um, last week, and you can see the interview at Fangirls. We'll put it in the show notes. Um, and he was very adamant that the character would be back, and the character would be back in a meaningful way. And this is just the beginning of a love story that they're going to tell that's going to take some time. And if it's a showrunner promising me that, I have, I don't, I don't have necessarily a lot of faith in that, but I feel like Wilson Cruz understands what this means. Like he's a, mm -hmm. such an activist for the LGBTQ community. And I, I, I do trust that, but yeah. what does a meaningful way mean? Does that mean coming back for an episode to resolve the storyline? Does that mean the character will be back like as a, cause he was always a guest star. He was never actually a series regular. Yeah always been a guest star 
what does that mean? How? So yeah, I have a lot of questions. And um, but I, there's also the issue, uh, which you and I have talked about quite a bit. What happens when the show is actually doing the work of representation? Because it is like it's doing a good job with representation. I'm never going to say anything is perfect when it comes to things like that. But I think it's doing better than most shows on TV with representation. So what do you do when the show is doing the work and it needs to kill off a character because of story and it's a war story. So you are going to have to kill off characters. Um, what do you do when there's one straight white man? Like and by necessity, one of the characters, the character you're going to kill off is going to be a diverse character. Yeah. But it's, then, I mean, it's something that we have to grapple with as viewers too, right? Yeah. Where uh, you lose it. You lose, by having a more diverse cast, you lose that burden of representation a little bit, but you can't completely decontextualize the show from the, the exactly. social construct in which it exists. Like, so, bury your good gaze is a trope for a reason. Right. Like, that's a, that's, that's a thing, that's a trope, and you because can't, every, just because, yeah. Yeah. So, like, when the shows around you are not doing the work, you are sometimes judged by the lowest common denominator you're judged by the show that is doing the least amount of work even though you're doing the thing and that's right. hard because it's that's not, hard you have nothing to do with it right if there are you should be able to tell the story that you want to tell after you've done the work of like casting you know a, a wide array of people in roles and I, there's a, this is another thing where there's no answer. It's just like, how right. do we, this is a new, ha, we're entering a new frontier. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> your mom will be happy. Uh, your um, mom will be very proud. But we're entering a new frontier of, of fandom, which is a good thing, I think, of getting think, to talk yeah. about what you do when you have cast all of these, like, diverse people in these roles. And you know, I mean... There are X number of characters, right? Reoccurring right. characters who exist. By nature, they cannot all necessarily be gay men of color, but you right. have a gay man of color. And that's so... Like, a gay man of color in a stable relationship. Right. And in a relationship, an ex stable, explicit relationship has, that has been the heart of the show, mm -hmm. which is so rare. Like, yes. that's so rare. And then you... Like, I'm not, okay, and I want to make it clear, I'm not blaming the show. I think the show is doing a good job, and I have, I just, I don't, honestly, it's kind of one of those things where I don't really know what to think, and yes. so I'm kind of talking about here, which might be terrible, and people <laughs> might be like, you are wrong, but, like, I just, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, um, and, like, also, to know. yeah, and, like, taking it back a little further in the season, the show's already killed off two women of color. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I mean, it's not great. That's not great. But, but characters have to die. Right, exactly. And that's right? my problem. Like, it's not great to kill off two women of color, but. But when you characters, have. Characters, it's about telling a war story and you're telling a drama that, and you're telling the type but of story were, that. I mean, on the flip side, there were two women of color to kill you off. You kill off. And you still, still a woman have... of color. Right. Fronting the show. You've still got, you know, a man of color, like. You've got two, you, until, like, they, you know, they killed off Dr. Colbert. You had two interracial relationships. So, you know, it's hard when you're looking at it like this, because it's not something right. like um, Star Wars, which had, which had Haldo, 
not queer on screen, but queer in canon, die. Yeah, without making her explicitly queer on screen, A. A, and B, it's like the one of the only canonically queer characters in the universe. And you're like, that is... That's different. That's different. But at the same time, like, I've gotten in a lot of, not arguments, because I, like, I'm not trying to argue with it, but I've gotten a lot of, because I somehow a little bit have become, like, the poster child of defending the show, (laughs) which is not, like, what I mean to do, and I'm not trying to defend it by having this conversation. No, it's Um, it's working through it. Right. Um, But it's more... I'm choosing to have faith in what Wilson Cruz said. Like I'm choosing, and I understand why that's easier for me than a gay man or a gay man of color, especially because I have like it it barrier, like I said, barrier gaze. That's that there's a like reason that that is like a trope that we all like abhor because it happens all the freaking time. And when you find finally find this positive representation and then it ends and it's such, and it's such a good like way. And then it ends, you know, wait and see is the worst. Right. It's like, what is, and that's where, again, you come back to what is the responsibility of the show? Right. Versus within the show has a responsibility to its characters and to the writing, but does it also have a responsibility based on the work that other shows are not doing? Right. And some would say that it's unfair to put the expectations right. of um, every other show, like on like the, that burden onto this one show. But then I would argue you can't, nothing, pop culture and media doesn't exist in a vacuum. Right. Like there's no way you can separate, in some ways there's no way you can separate it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. I, I don't know the answer. And I do hope that this resolves well, because I think the show's doing a good job. And it would just I mean, I won't stop watching it if it doesn't like if it doesn't resolve in a way that I like. But, um, you know, it'll it'll be it'll make me more wary in a yeah. world. All, like st- Discovery has gone to the point where it's gotten my guard down. Mm-hmm. I trust that even if I don't like the, the the situations, like right now, for example, we're in the mirror universe in the, and I do not like mirror universe shows, episodes. Like I don't, I don't like mirror universe. I think it's, I understand that uh, writers and actors like it because they get to do something different and fun. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, I just, I, it's a distraction. And I, I, I mean, I just, I don't really love them. Um, but that being said, this is a universe in which I haven't told you this. And I think you'll find this interesting. This is a universe in which, um, um, there's a quote-unquote Terran Empire, and Terrans are the names of, like, humans. Um, there's a Terran Empire that is xenophobic and racist and basically wants to kill every alien. It fears everything that's different. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really interesting, like, given what's going on in the world right yep. now, that's a really interesting, and they, they're taking, they're doing interesting things with it, and they're taking it in interesting places. Um, and yeah, I think it's really, it's very, very interesting. And so, um, I, I am always willing, like when I like heard Mary Universe, I was like, eh. but I'm like <laughs> willing because this show is done so good and the storytelling is so good. The characters are so good. They've earned my trust at this yeah. point. That being said, they have not earned everybody's trust because we're, 11 episodes in at this point. Yeah. Like, I am willing to trust fast because I, like you and I have talked about, it, I want to like things. Mm-hmm. 
we want to like both of us. We want to like things and I want to, so I will give my trust easily, but other people aren't going to be so convinced. And I am worried. Like I have had people tell me that, that they just aren't, are going to stop watching the show until that, um, you know, Wilson Cruz storyline is resolved. And I'm like, that's fine. I'll let you know when, like, I will tell you when it is. Yeah. But like, I don't blame them because you don't want to put your, invest in a show that is going to treat people who look like you or you know like represent you um badly like no you just not don't. at all so anyway oh all of that was to say i don't know what to think <laughs> that was all to say i don't know what to think and <laughs> was like do you want to talk about this on the podcast because i keep talking to her about this and she's like do you want to talk about this on the podcast i was like yeah <laughs> Let's talk about it because I don't know, man. Like I, I have no good answers, no, but I think no it's a convert, and I think it's a conversation worth having. Like, what do you yeah. do when the show is doing the work of representation and makes these choices within the context of that show only? But you know, there's a broader context of pop culture and yeah. history surrounding it that it's hard to not take it to account. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's <laughs> a lot. Sorry, everybody. Well, now for something completely different. The, yeah. the main focus of this show, which is a Patreon um, movie. So Anne-Marie, oh. <laughs> who is one of our patrons uh, at the $10 level, asked us to watch a movie called The Peanut Butter Solution, which came out in 1985 in Canada. And it's something that I feel like has this a little bit of an urban myth like mythology around it where like one one or two out of every like 30 to 40 people like probably millennial age have very vague recollections of this movie like when Anne-Marie mentioned it she would when the the title got brought up I was like oh that sounds sort of familiar like I think I saw it when I was like five years old and I remember it being weird and scary and just this one scene of a kid lying in a box or something and his hair just growing and growing and growing. <laughs> and that's all I could remember. I had never even heard of it. And I was like, okay, like this is an interesting, okay, this is an interesting choice. And so we watched it. It is, the... <laughs> okay, the producer, I believe the producer described it at, first of all, the movie is described as a, family horror fantasy yeah and the producer called it something he wanted something that would have a gentle fright yes which is i think very accurate right yeah um it is um, i could see how this would scare the shit out of kids yes so it is about this kid wait so we'll put a we'll put a link in by the way if you're like interested in it's watching on this youtube yeah it's on youtube we'll put a link in the show notes so you can watch it before you yes if you delve into if our very to. insightful commentary uh, it you, is, yeah <laughs> so basically what the the movie is about although it's so much more than this is a kid who gets he has a big fright you don't know what to at the beginning of the movie his hair stands up on end like he's like Albert Einstein or something and then falls out. Yes. And he then gets this uh, recipe for something called a peanut butter solution that will help his hair grow back. Yeah. But they're, they're very like explicit when they give it to him to be like, do not add extra peanut butter. And the kid, who is like 10 probably, adds a lot of extra peanut butter 
and then his hair won't stop growing. Yeah. That is the very basic premise. That's a very basic premise. Where this movie goes... Let's add in ghosts. Yeah. Kidnapping. Kidnapping. uh, Child labor rings. uh, Like Harry Potter style moving paintings. Mm -hmm. Um, A little bit of like uh, Mary Poppins. Yeah. Um, A terrible father who should be, have his kids taken away from him. Um, Very bizarre sound decisions. Yes. Celine Dion. Celine Dion's first English music was for this movie. Ever. Um, She was like 18. I'm trying to think of, an, an Asian kid gets to be the hero. Yes, an Asian kid and a girl. Yeah. The like the main character, Michael, is actually kind of the worst. Mm-hmm. But uh, not worse than his father. No. Uh, a direct result of his father, I think. Right, probably. Who's played by no other than Michael Hogan from um, Battlestar Galactica. And Teen Wolf. Hi. Yeah. Um, so that was a treat. Because, like, he's almost unrecognizable, but, you, like, the vo- his voice is so distinctive. It's like, wait. So distinctive. Wait. I didn't, I didn't realize it until the end. And then I was like, oh, my God, it's Gerard from Teen Wolf, who was my absolute least favorite villain on the show. Yes. Uh, so the movie opens. And <laughs> this movie was so fucked up. It's so oh fucked up and God. weird. So one of the weird decisions they make, the kid, the opens, it opens with these like kids eating breakfast. The little girl who is probably 12 inexplicably seems to be the one running the household. She's very small. Her name is Susie. Her brother, Michael, kind of sucks. And they're talking about the mom of the family like she's dead. Yeah. Like my mom went to, then you find out that she's just gone to Australia to deal with like her dead father. Yeah. Uh, it's very weird the choices they make for dialogue. Also, the whole first, there's like no Foley effects in this movie. Like, it took me about 20 minutes into the movie to write, realize why I was feeling so, like, unsettled by the experience of watching it. Because there's no footsteps, there's no creaking, yeah. Yeah. there's no, like, any of that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just music and dialogue. And you're like, what is so weird? And then I realized it, and it was like, they, I don't know if it's for budget reasons or because they wanted to give the... I might be giving them too much credit in terms of... Oh, no, because... No, because no, I looked up the movie and one of the the directors and writers is like a Czech surrealist director. Oh, well, that makes... That, that, that right? actually... So, right, so part yeah. of me is like, maybe it was on purpose where there's like no... You just get very, like, you realize all of a sudden that you need those, like, little sounds. But Mm -hmm. so there's none of that. Um, This kid, Michael, is kind of really annoying right off the get-go, where he's, like, whiny and and the sister's, like, trying to get him to, like, be less him, I guess. Yeah, Yeah, fair. Um, And she goes up to complain to the dad, who is played by Michael Hogan and who is an artist seemingly kind of a terrible artist yeah. uh who is like god you're yapping so much i oh. can't work while you're yapping <laughs> um so the fine the family dynamic is weird yes you know then shows up conrad who's the coolest person conrad's the, the best oh my god he's so dapper 
Conrad is this little Asian kid who yeah. shows up in like a black, like full black outfit, black uh, hat, like um, like a fedora, like a fedora type hat, or Trilby. And, uh, we don't want to get like yeah. corrected on our uses. Sorry, Trilby. I don't know. And, I don't know. And like red high top Converse sneakers. Yes, he's he so a good. Freaking cool kid. Though they also give him some weird dialogue. Like he keep he repeats. The dad and the sister come down, and the dad, like, offers him food, and he goes, just having some delicious grapes, if that's okay. And then he repeats the line exactly. <laughs> like, the dad's like, what? And he goes, just having some delicious grapes, if that's okay. And you're like, what is happening? This is really weird. There's nothing natural about anything in this movie. There's, yes, everything is very bizarrely like and off kilter. And I think that's purposeful. Like it's not that the actors they're bad actors. Like well, it's, I, I think the main kid is very bad. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree. But um, I do love that. Like he sort of gets very Camus, like very uh, existential um, for a minute, where he's the the main kid. Michael is Connie tells him about this spooky house. Yeah. That has burned down and somebody has died in it. Yeah. And the, he goes, he, he goes, oh boy, the old spooky houses. And my, you go to a flashback of Michael realizing that he had given what he says of wino, which is a drunk homeless person, some money and how that changed the course of his life, basically. Um, and I, yeah, this, this, it's very bizarre. So that's the opening sequence where, like, yes. nothing seems to happen other than you find out that a, a house burned down and you're very unsettled by the dialogue and the way that these people mechanically interact with one another. Yeah. yeah. Right? And um, so then, and of course, because they're, you know, boy, like, little boys, they decide to go check out the mansion. Like, the, that has burned down. No, 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 no. First, they go to school. This is the introduction of the senor, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. And First, they very, go to their weird school. With the very awkward, like... Okay, so they're in art class. And there's a dog that's posing for them. Yeah, and it's really uncomfortable because the dog's, like, little peep is just, like, right into the camera. And you're like, well, okay. And then, like... The senor, the art teacher who they just call senor, is, like, you know, like, white guy with, like, big, like, gray hair, is, like, going around and, like, trying to get people to, you know, draw the dog and being really mean to the students. And saying, no imagination. You can only see, only draw what you see. Don't use your imagination. Um, Like, don't draw, like, an interpretation of what you see. Just draw, like, the actual dog you see. Yeah, because Michael tries to draw, like fire and stuff and he gets really mad and then Connie who is amazing Connie steals this movie um is like basically like hey leave my friend alone and then this professor gets pretty racist and is like let's see what you have done wrong Wong wrong Wong and you're like uh okay calm Uh, down but Connie goes and I loved this Connie goes if you do that again senor I will never come to your art class again I swear it. Yeah. Connie's great. Uh, 
Oh, and he also, is amazing. Also, Signor, Signor gets a little handsy with one of the kids. Did you yeah. do you remember that part? Like he, yeah. like one of the kids, like draw did a good drawing, and the Signor like hugs him a lot, and it was just very uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable and weird. Yeah, I mean that's just the yeah, and then um, that is just I feel like the plot of this movie is uncomfortable and weird. Yes. Um, <laughs> so the the dad it cuts to the dad who is trying to like has this art dealer called the rabbit who comes by to be like, I want to purchase these paintings. And the dad's like, no, this painting is for me and no one else. And, something and I don't about know why money. anybody would want to buy these paintings. Cause no, they're, they're so awful. ugly. They're so ugly. Yeah. Uh, then Connie and Michael go to the spooky yes. house yes, and yes. are like, let's go in. Uh, but Michael is the only one who ends up going in and something yeah. scares him so badly. He, flies out of the house, falls down, and passes out. Right. And then Connie inexplicably gets him home in a supermarket cart. Right. I don't know where he found the cart, but... Um, and Connie no does, I think, does, like, they, they... I think Connie dares him to go in at the beginning, but then, like, kind yeah. of has a change of heart and is like, oh, wait, maybe this is a bad maybe idea. Maybe we shouldn't do this. Um, um, and then... And then, so, he wheels... Um, he wheels Michael up to their ha- front door where Susie answers the door, um, and he's unconscious. Michael's unconscious in the shopping cart, and they bring him inside. And then, you know, they just have a scene with the dad and su- them all like around Michael, and then he eventually wakes up. And the dad doesn't take him to the doctor. Nope. The dad's like, even though his fine. child has been unconscious. Yep. Dad doesn't take him to the doctor. Nope. And then the next, and then so I guess, and then that's, and then the next morning, Michael comes downstairs and he has no hair. And he's, yeah, and they're all like, the, again, the they're like, oh, it's fine, it'll grow back, like everything's fine. I know. And then it's like, well, if it doesn't start growing back in a couple of days, we'll take you to the doctor. And it's like, what? Your son is unconscious and now he has no hair and you're not worried? But, yeah, it's very strange. But then the next uh, scene is is them in a doctor's office, so I think like somebody told dad like maybe we should just go to the doctor. Maybe now. we should go. And it's all about just being scared. Like he yeah. lost his hair because he was scared. And it's not going back and Michael is so upset about it and they get him the worst wig. Yes. Which then they seem to glue with glue to his head with like it's like hot glue or something. Or something. Yeah. Uh, because he's a soccer player and he's yeah. afraid he's he doesn't want to go outside because he doesn't like the way he looks, which is fair. Um, but there's this really uncomfortable scene on the soccer field where he's playing really well and the other team gets mad and some kid basically rips his wig off and you see the strands of blue. Oh, so weird! <laughs> it's so weird. And then the all Michael gets so upset he runs off the field with his head, his shirt sort of covering his head. And the entire other team, as well as his team, chase him down the street, yelling something at him. I couldn't quite... It was something about, like, run home to mommy, something, something, something. Which I was like, who is... Where are the parents being like, yes. don't make fun of this kid? And also, aren't a lot of soccer hooligans bald, I feel like? A yeah. lot of them shave their heads. Um, it's a very strange moment. Uh and Connie is right beside him being like, it's fine, don't worry, I'm with you, because he's a good friend. So Michael goes to sleep, and yeah. then two ghosts show up. <laughs> and the ghosts are, the one of the ghosts is the homeless guy that he gave money to. 
Yeah. Who died in the fire in the spooky house. Yep. And the go the the old lady ghosts ghost gives Michael the recipe for the peanut butter solution and it's disgusting. Yes. Yes. Like dead flies, like rotten egg like just gross in that way that you're like you're, little you're, boy gross little like, boy gross right exactly what a little boy would think would go into a potion yeah and so um then it's supposed to make his hair grow back yeah uh and he <laughs> and he's told don't put extra peanut butter in it yes and there's this moment with the sound where the ghosts are like the ghosts go your eyes are open that's why you can see and hear us if you close your eyes, you won't hear anything. So the kid closes his eyes and there's no sound. He opens his eyes and the ghost like opens and closes the cabinet and all of a sudden you can hear it. And so I was like, oh my God, has this kid been dead the whole time? No, I was wrong. <laughs> no, no. Uh, so he makes this concoction. And as we told you earlier, he, he messes up and he puts too much peanut butter in it. And he puts it all over his head. Yes. And then he, like, <laughs> the morning, I love the morning where he comes out and his hair has started growing. Yeah. And the dad sees nothing wrong with the fact that literally this kid's hair in the span of 90 seconds grows, like, five inches. No, and I, that is not an exaggeration. And the no. dad sees nothing. He's like, oh, good, your hair's growing back. Like, nothing wrong with it. Oh um. So Connie comes over and is like, oh, my God, like, this is, I think, the weirdest subplot of the movie uh where connie michael takes connie upstairs and is like this is the thing i use this is the (laughs) concoction and connie's like tell me how you did it and so it gives connie the concoction and connie's basically i'm gonna put that on my like on my crotch and he does and that goes about as well as you would expect yeah Yeah. where this kid's like pubes just don't stop growing and it's disgusting yep yep Uh, yeah. It's weird. So basically yeah, the, the next, whole like, thing is just so weird. Yeah. The next like 30 minutes of this movie are just sequences in which Michael's hair won't stop growing. Like disgusting, like ratty. Like he's not washing it. He's not like braiding it. He just lets it hang. And Connie sits behind him in class and tries to cut the hair. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's literally band. a situation where they're sitting and Connie's like sitting at a desk and cutting his hair. And it's, and also, they act as if, like, when the chair's a little shorter and more manageable, like, that nobody's heard of, like, a... Like, he can't eat because his bangs are in his face. And I'm like, dude, like, there are people in this world who exist with long hair. Just use a rubber band. Yeah. There's no rubber bands in this movie. Like, the kid creates, like, an intricate pulley system to keep his hair out of his face and off his head while he sleeps. It's very strange. Um, so there's this sequence when Connie's cutting his hair that I loved. Actually, they're in math class, and the teacher's like, you're being very distracting. You need to leave. And Michael goes, please let me stay. Oh I want God. to be educated. And the and whole class clapping. And, like, I... the teacher's like, no, you have to go. And then he basically gets kicked out of school for having long hair. Like, yeah. the teachers are literally like, if this kid shows up in my class, I'm quitting. And then, like, his family has to, like, bodily prevent him from, like, leaving the house to go to school. But he still goes. Yeah. Meanwhile, Connie's got, like, hair coming out of his pants. Yeah. Like, literally, from the leg of his jeans, there's oh. hair growing. And you're like, this is, 
the grossest thing. Um, but he managed just to get it to stop because yeah, they just kind of just goes like stop growing, and the and hair then... stops growing. And that's that's so that quote. maybe Michael didn't have the heart. I don't know. Um, so the teacher. Okay, so what, we, we find out during this time, we find out that Senor, the art teacher, falsified his credentials. Oh yeah, That's and um, like basically had lied about to get hired about his paintings and stuff, and so he gets fired. He gets fired. Then he kidnaps Michael. Yep. After which, like, there's like this really bizarre newspaper spin thing that is tonally completely out of line with the rest of the movie. Then you find out that the senior has kidnapped 20 other kids and there doesn't seem to be any rioting happening from the parents or anything. They're just... By all accounts, this is not a, like, huge... We're not... Like, this is not a large town. Like, this this seems like a pretty mid-sized or small town. 20 kids missing. Yeah. And and you would think someone would notice. They notice. There's, like, a newspaper article about it. But no one... Like, Connie's sister gets kidnapped. Right. But no one seems to care very much. No. So they... You would think, like, the parents would, like, like I don't know, have neighborhood watch or something. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Okay, it was just bizarre. It's very weird. So Connie and Susie, Michael's sister, do some detective work, figure out that the kids are being held in this sweatshop where Michael is strapped into a box where the senor basically feeds him, like, yogurt or something, and his hair is just growing down this like long um, kind of factory conveyor belt thing. Kids are cutting the hair and making magic paintbrushes. Yes. I don't know. Signor, I should also say Signor is wearing a coat of human hair. Oh yes, he has a coat of human hair. His dog has a coat of human hair. It is disgusting. So disgusting. It makes me want to vomit. Ugh. It's so gross. And I am not, let me, I will add, I'm not a person who finds, like, hair gross in and of itself. Like, I have long hair. I have black, coarse, long hair. It is everywhere. There are hairballs all over my house. (laughs) I'm not a person who is squeamish about human hair. And this movie grossed me out. It's so gross. Um, So Connie, who is amazing and is the true hero of this movie. Yeah. with, With Susie, they build a plan. Connie sneaks into the sweatshop. Um, basically convinces Senor that he's on his side after trying to help the kids escape. He's like, but one of my favorite scenes is when Connie's telling the sob story about how Senor can be his new dad. And this kid goes, Connie, your dad's dead? And Conrad's like, basically like, shut the fuck up, man. I'm just trying to help us get out of here. <laughs> Connie, so, this movie does not deserve Connie. Let it me just doesn't. say that. It, it really does doesn't. And it ends by Connie tricking Senor into Did painting. Did we talk about the, the moving paint paint? Okay, yeah. Oh yeah. So the paint so the paintings that you make with these paint the, with these magic paintbrushes move and you can step into them, the children say. They tell Connie, you can step into them, but it doesn't help because the senor never paints anything that's real. He only paints things that he sees in his imagination. So Connie convinces Senor to paint the spooky house uh-huh. from the beginning. And then uh, he paints it. And it's this really bizarre scene that looks like straight out of Cirque du Soleil. Yeah. Where it's just green screen. You know, this man is dancing in front of a green screen. Touching the paint, the, the 
canvas with a paintbrush and the magic the house magically sort of appears and he gets the kid like conrad gets senora to go into the house he yeah. like eggs him on to go into the house and gets frightened and passes out and the kids are like but he's not that bad maybe we should stay. i know oh my god so they had like serious stockholm, stockholm syndrome. syndrome yeah and then here's a plot hole because the fright makes Michael lose his hair, but the peanut butter solution is what makes him grow it. Right. But his hair stops growing when Senor gets the fright, which to me were unrelated things. No, yeah, yeah. But then Michael, who is finally rescued, decides, I need to go back into the fright house. There's no reason for it. No. And they nope. should be getting nope. away. But instead, Michael's like, I need to go back into that scary house and face my fear, which has not been a theme of the movie. Well, so um, first, um, Susie, Susie shows up. Susie shows up. Uh, with her dad. And they... With her dad. No, that's the end. That's... Okay. Are we not at the that's, end yet? That's... Bef- no. First, Michael has to go into the house. Oh, did that... Oh, okay. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, and yeah. And the with, fear with turns out to be the two homeless people who died homeless in the fire people, yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Were this the things that made the, his hair fall out in the first place? I don't really understand. Yeah. Um, then Connie saves the day again when Senor wakes back up bald and yeah. runs after these children and tries to lock them in cages. And then the dad and Susie show up with the police just as Senor is cornering Michael, Connie, and Connie's little sister, Mai Ling. And that's the end of the movie. And then, no, and then the mom shows up. Oh, the mom shows up at the end. And she's kind of like, what happened to your hair? That's it. Yeah. Not not understanding that she's probably been gone for like three weeks and it's like eight inches longer. Yeah. That's the whole movie. That's the movie. It was so weird. I was like, how? Like, I'm like, I'm watching this movie and I, I think I like tweeted like, how did we end up at a child kidnapping ring like sweatshop from like where this movie started? Yeah, I don't I'm know. I'm so confused. It was like, it, but there is this, there was this sense in the 80s. I feel like we, after this, um, my friends and I started remembering like other weird 80s movies that were kind of B-list, you know, like there's like the Hug a Bunch movie which is weird and scary. Uh, I looked up, there, there was this, also came out in 1985, was this version of Alice in Wonderland through the looking glass that mm-hmm. had this like terrifying, bizarre scene where Alice gets trapped on the wrong side of the mirror of her house and then the Jabberwock shows up. Mm-hmm. And there are all these like very weird B-list 80s movies that had these really creepy undertones, but that didn't necessarily make sense. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know what it was about like, it. Like, there was a weird kid horror genre. Yeah, yeah. A, a, a gentle fright, as you yeah. said. Uh, I, I don't know, man. This is this was weird. This movie was, was a, just weird. It was a weird movie. I can't necessarily... I mean, I liked that the hero, the true hero, was this, like, little Asian kid. Yeah. And the sister. Um... This movie would have given me nightmares as a kid, though. I was a wuss. And I would have, like, not slept for months. It was... Bizarre. It was bizarre. Not sure that I recommend it. 
<laughs> I am not sure I recommend it either. But like, if you're into like weird, oh, I will say, if you're into like weird eighties kind of culty things, this, this is, is like a, for you. this is the movie for you. You should absolutely you know watch what? this. The Celine Dion Magic Man song, not that bad. Not bad. Not bad. If you, it's, it's like very like never ending story. Yeah. Uh, so that was the peanut butter solution. Okay, so let's go quickly talk about what we're into. Ah, so on Friday night, I stayed up till 1.30 in the morning finishing this book uh, called The Cruel Prince by Holly Black. Uh, it came out on Tuesday. It's amazing. Okay, I saw you tweeting about it. Yeah, because I was like, I really need to talk to somebody about this. So the basic premise is it's a dark fantasy novel. If you're familiar with Holly Black, you know that she writes dark fairy fantasy. Um, if you're not, now you know. This book is about this girl, Jude, who is a twin. She's human. She and her twin are both human, but their older sister is half fairy. And in the first chapter of the book, you find out that, or maybe it's the prologue, I don't remember. You um, find out that as young children, they were at home one day, and Jude's fairy father finds them after his, his, his ex-wife had absconded with the children. Uh, or with the child, and then married somebody else. And he murders their parents, and then takes all the girls with him Jeez. to fairyland. I'm not kidding. It's very violent. The yeah. book is very violent. Um, and so it cut to ten years later. Jude, is, Jude and Taryn, the twins, are 17. I think Vivi, the older sister, is like 19, maybe. I can't remember the age difference. And they're in fairyland. The two humans are, you know, he's big up. The They're... they're adopted father slash parental murder um is a general for the fairies and so they're kind of gentry they're kind of at the top tier of the social ladder but mm -hmm. they're human so a lot of the other fairies look down on them mm -hmm. and jude is so angry and i love it she is this like feisty like who has this like pit of anger inside of her because otherwise she would be scared you're right she tells this story about how the tip of her ring finger is missing because when she was 11, uh, one of the, like, guards of her estate just bit the top of her finger off and ate it in front of her to kind of be like, I could eat all of you. So it's like that kind of really, she, she's just so, she's so rage-filled and I love it. And she wants to be a knight. She wants mm -hmm. to get past her sort of, her mortality in a way, like, be more than what they assume she is. And she's in classes with uh, the prince, who is the youngest of, you know, five or six children of the High King, who is just an absolute dick to her. Uh, he's, she does a good job of, like, staying the line where he, he's awful, but he's not so awful that you can't ever come to like him. But the two of them hate each other but they can't help but be attracted to each other uh, oh, i love a good hate man's and they're both yes. so angry so the book is basically filled with like court intrigue and there are all these machinations going on and jude ends up becoming a spy mm -hmm. without her um anyone in her family knowing and so it's dealing with family issues and all these things and it's I couldn't put it down. It's like, I, I keep describing it as like something that I love a lot about the last year that we've gotten are these like really feral screams from, from female characters. Mm -hmm. Like um, the girl X-23 and Logan, 
um, and Ray has that great scream in Last Jedi. Yeah, and yeah. that's kind of what I taught. That's like how I would describe this book as like a feral, angry female scream. Oh, that's good. That's a I good mean, like. That would be like a good like blurb, man. <laughs> it's so good. I. It's just like, huh. There is. I, I'll. It's just really good. I have to like. I highly recommend it. It's called The Cruel Prince by Holly Black. Pick it up, read it, then come talk to me about it. Ugh. All right, nice. here you go. <laughs> um, okay, first, uh, mine is less interesting, I will say. Um, <laughs> cycling is back, which if you've listened to previous episodes of the podcast, you know I'm obsessed with like professional <laughs> men's cycling. And it's the Tour Down Under this week. Um, yesterday was the uh, cycling, the Tour Down Under Cycling Classic, which is like a like a circuit race, so it's laps, um, 22 laps of like a 2.4-kilometer circuit. And one of my favorite riders won that, and I'm very excited. And then um, the tour, actual Tour Down Under, which is, I think, like five or six days long, um, starts on Tuesday. So that's cool. It's fun. I'm really excited. And then I finally watched Stranger Things, which, <laughs> like, on. I don't know. I feel like I need to find your texts to me about Stranger Things. Oh my god, they made okay. me laugh so hard. Um, like okay, so I I was curious about the show. I watched the first episode when it first came out, and it just didn't hook me. And I will admit, like I was kind of I never was super into like the little boys in the eighties like movies. Like I did not watch. I didn't have that nostalgia factor. Like I didn't watch the Goonies until like high school. And I don't, and so, and like, I was just like, I don't want to watch a bunch of movies, like a movie about like, I don't love movies starring little kids. Like, that's just not my thing. It's not that they're bad, but it's just not my mm-hmm. thing. And so like, it just took me a long time. And actually it's my editor at Engadget, Nate, who has been like on my case. He's like, you have to watch Stranger <laughs> Things. You have to watch. And finally I'm like, fine, I will watch it. Like we did an exchange. He, I was like, you watch Star Trek Discovery and I will watch Stranger Things. And now I have to make him watch Discovery because I finally did watch Stranger Things. But um, I really loved it. Like, I loved it. It was like, oh, it was good. what, it was like I what I wish all those movies had been because there was a lot of complexity, a lot of depth, and it was like, Winona Ryder is so good. She is. Um, And, uh, like, I real I did, I loved it, and it was super scary, and, but in a good way. Like, did you watch all of it? Did you watch first uh-uh, I've only season? watched the first season, and I've watched, like, the first episode of the second season. Ooh, the, the second season's even better. Okay, like, like I'm, I'm, and I'm going to like watch the rest of the second season sometime this week. But like, yeah, no, it was really good. I really liked it. So, yay, Stranger Things. Yeah, the text from Sovna that I got at six fifty seven on January thirteenth was, "Oh shit, Stranger Things is scary." <laughs> yes, and then that was like, and then I that was like while I was watching like the third episode or fourth episode when they they, they like find Will's body. Oh yeah, and you're like, oh so wait, the kid is dead. What? I was like, what the hell kind of show am I watching? Like, why oh. would you do this to me? And it's so oh, it's good. so good. And the second season also gives more to do for the kid who plays Will. And I think he's a really actually... He's a great... Very act- strong actor. Yeah, he is. He's I very, was sad. very strong. I was actually sad that we didn't see him more on screen. Yeah. Because he's like, you know, the MacGuffin. Like, and yeah. so... Um, okay. But that's that's our... So next, this week, actually later this week, um, knock on wood that everything works out, we'll be recording it. Our first Lord of the Rings rewatch episode. <laughs> we'll be talking about the Fellowship of the Ring with Greg Pak. So I'm very excited about that. Assuming everything yes. works out, otherwise you'll just get Preeti and me, and it'll be sad <laughs> yeah, we'll for all of you. 
um, so we have to say thank you, of course, to our Patreon supporters. So thank you to I, Ben, and Very Smelly, Fazia, and Amory at the $10 level, and Martha, Brandy, Ralph, Sam, Jordan, Annie, Megan, Claire, Brian, Robert, Gayatri, Maya, and the Knot family at the $5 level. I will say that I think Swapna and I are both very blown away by how supportive everybody is. So thank you yes. so much for supporting us. Um, as always, you can find us on Twitter at Basic Geek Girls. I am at Run With Skizzers. I'm at S. Krishna. And then please also rate us on iTunes. We think it helps people find the show. We don't know how <laughs> podcasts work, but that is what we are told. So um, please rate us on iTunes. And, and uh, we'll see you time. in hell. Yes. Hell. Yes. Yes.